and 88 of the Ask the Coach show, where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. The Bristol 188 was a British supersonic research aircraft built by the Bristol Aeroplane Company in the 1950s. Its length, slender cross-section and intended purpose led to it being nicknamed the Flaming Pencil. It's Throwback Thursday, and today we're going to take a look at a video that still makes us laugh and is a part of our Training Secrets course. In the questions, we talk about improving anticipation, leaning back when playing a forehand topspin, and returning serve with your backhand all over the table. Now, I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Good morning, Alois. Morning, Jeffrey. And uh, yeah, it's a warm night last night in Melbourne, but uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. Yes, it is going to be a beautiful day. Now, yesterday's show, Alice, we had a few problems with um, the video being recorded and it seems it's truncated it to only five minutes. So really quick show for those who are watching after the fact. Um, But I didn't mention that that was show 187, Alois, and in cricket... Any number ending in 87 is like 13 before the 100. So 187 is 13 before 200. So it's an unlucky number for the Australian cricket team. So maybe that's why something went wrong with our video. Maybe, maybe, yes. So, uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's pertinent to the Australian cricket team. I think the others don't worry about it, but the Australians always worry about the 87s, don't they? And, uh, yeah, I think we, we better start uh, worrying about show number 287 down the line. Yes, we should worry about that one. All right, Alois, what happened on this day in history? Uh, Yeah, it's obviously quite a slow news day, really, because in 1726, Geoffrey, a woman was reported to have given birth to 18 rabbits. (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) All right, uh, uh, moving on to uh, table tennis stuff then. Yesterday's... Question of the day was, who or what is your favourite training partner? Yeah, and we had a few uh, few responses. So uh, Timmy said that Alias was, and Alias uh, came right back and said, I think they're going to train tomorrow in different language, but I think that's what awesome. they said. Yeah, get training. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, so good. I'm glad glad we uh, facilitated that, uh, that training session. And... Um, uh, they, Guy Jake Balestrino got two mentions, so he's obviously a good training partner. I've I've actually hit with him, and I I can't see it personally, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Jake Balestrino, and one here from Dominic Graham. Um, he said Waldner, although he doesn't return my calls, um, and he said um, he. He tried to recruit him to strengthen their state league team in 2009. And page there of uh, they do have a novelty check that remains uncashed for a thousand dollars made out to uh, Mr. Yarn Ove Boldner. But uh, Yarn, if you're out there, um, just uh, you know, there's a thousand dollar check waiting there for you if you uh, would just like to turn up to Dominic uh, state league uh, training session. There you go, Dominic. Good recruiting, getting Jan Ovevoldner as your favourite. Well, not getting, but asking Jan Ovevoldner <laughs> to be there and a $1,000 check waiting for him. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, opening the discussions anyway. That is great. 
All right. Well, hopefully Wagner will turn up after he hears about this on the show, Alois, and collect yeah. his thousand dollar check and do the training. Yeah. And um, before we get into the other questions, Jeff, just yeah, something else I picked up. So the um, the Rio Test event is on at the moment. Um, in Brazil, and uh, they're doing a bit of promotion. So they did some promotions there at the at the train station, and uh, I think anyone that could return a couple of the Brazilian national teams serves got free tickets to the uh, test event. So if you are in Rio, downtown Rio, um, try to head down there. So uh, check out the check out the venue. Check out uh, some some great table tennis players down there as well. That is exciting. Good to hear. All right, the Pink Seals question of the day is, what will take you further, talent or technique? So again, jump on our Facebook page or onto the Pink Seals blog at pinkseals.com and let us know what will take you further, talent or technique. All right, Alois, it is Throwback Thursday. What old video are we going to look at now? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I picked out uh, the physical warm-up. So this is part of our training um, secrets uh, series. And the training secrets secret series is is um, really useful for those players that uh, are wanting to find ways to train and what to train as well. So um, in there, we recommend um, a training plan and how, how long you need to train, etc. And the training plan often or always starts with that physical warm-up and on uh, on training secrets we do provide a physical warm up and when we look back at it um it is quite amusing so uh for all you premium members get out there and jeff i reckon we we should always almost make that a free uh, free video um so the um the the physical uh warm up is uh, quite funny um jeff going through his physical warm ups so um <laughs> yeah it is pretty funny and it was filmed quite a long time ago, Alois. Are there yes. any advancements in physical warm-ups? Do we need to refilm this one? We definitely need to refilm that one, Jeff, because, yes. So at the time uh, when we did film it, the the theory or the or the going uh, uh, um, body of knowledge, yeah, yes, was that um, you did a lot of um, stretching, so, you know, static stretching. Now um, that's changed. So over the last year or two, um, the uh, the thinking is that now that you do more dynamic movements with your stretching uh, and your warm up, so so rather than um, doing a stretch like that and holding it, or doing a stretch like that and holding it, what you do now is you do more of the um, dynamic movements. So you're just moving your arms forwards and moving your arms backwards, and that's the better way of uh, doing your warm up. So think about the muscle that you want to. Uh, warm up or the area that you want to warm up and just basically mobilize that and start to start to move that around and um, and that's um, considered now a better way of doing your warm up so you know just a, a, a slow jog to start off with just to get the heart rate up and just to get the 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 whole body moving and then you can go to more specific areas you know like for table tennis the shoulders are important um, the waist is important, so doing a, a rotational movement um, and then doing something just like swinging your legs, um, so one way and sideways and those sort of things. So, yeah, we will refilm the physical uh, warm-up video, but uh, there's some ideas for you now. And it is worth watching anyway, guys. Go and watch it. <laughs> yes, it is funny. Anyway, 
Um, let's move on to the questions, Alois. I've got some good questions lined up. Are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. First up, Chris says, from your video anticipation, it seems that the only way to improve one's reaction times is experience. I was thinking, though, are there simply drills that improve reaction times? Yeah, there are, Chris. So um, I suppose we, we talk about experience being the best teacher of anticipation because you're starting to learn patterns and you're starting to to recognise cues um, of what your uh, what your opponent is doing. So definitely experience is a, is a big factor. But some things that you can start to think about uh, doing in your training drills. So firstly, multi-ball um, can, be, can be good for just increasing the speed of reaction on one ball. So a multi-ball is where uh, you get a training partner to stand with a bucket of balls and they can stand fairly close to the net so they're giving you less time and just feeding out one ball at a time to you. So by doing that, they're cutting down the amount of time that you have to react to each of those balls. So, so that can be um, a good way to just start to increase the, uh, the reaction speed. But uh, one, really thing that you, one thing that you really need to be imp- uh, aware of is that multi-ball can also be a little bit deceptive in that it's not really providing you the cues that you need to learn to improve your reactions or your anticipation. So for example, if I'm at the other end of the table and I am swinging my bat ready to to make my top spin and about here, I might change the, well, get this better. And here I might just change the angle of my wrist slightly as I'm about to hit the ball which will give you a cue as to where that ball is going. So you might not see anything here, you might not see anything here, you might not see anything there, but there you start to see a little change in the position of my wrist. So by seeing that, you're starting to um, pick up cues just that little bit earlier. So um, instead of um, uh, getting all your information from the ball, you are starting to pick up a few cues. So those sort of things are important and they're, they're the sort of things you, you don't get from multi-ball. So how do we practice that? In a, in a training situation, get your partner to start to play uh, more randomly. So more random exercises where you don't know where the ball's coming will help you to start to react and, and pick up those cues as well. Mm, excellent. Very interesting. Couple of thoughts there. So, yeah, although experience is the best indicator to get that experience, you do need to train. So, drills are a great way. So, like you said, Alice, I guess, yeah, getting your partner to hit random randomly is is great for you learning those cues. Um, the other thing I thought about is multi ball. If people haven't tried multi ball, go and uh, practice it your next session. You just need a bucket of balls and. Um, it's a really great um, tool to be able to use in your training. And we've got a great introduction to multi-ball video, which I'll put a link on the show notes. Now, with the with multi-ball alloys, even though you don't pick up all the cues, I still feel like you're still watching the bat. And so I think it's better than than using a robot is my thoughts there. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely better than using a robot. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I suppose not as good as a good training partner that can um, place the ball randomly for you on the table. Yep. 
Great. All right, Chris. So, yeah, try a couple of things. Yeah, try multi-ball to just increase that speed and then try getting your partner to hit some random balls to you and you need to uh, react quickly. Excellent question. All right. Next up, Tim asks, I have always had a bit of a problem when I loop with my head going back and uh, it's more on my forehand and I know that it's bad, but I really struggle to break the habit. As a result, I miss the ball quite a bit, and I also think it costs me power. Any tips? Yeah, so it um, it is really important to try to keep that head as still as you possibly can. So, you know, table tennis is a lot about movement, but there's... Um, also that element of being still during your stroke. So we don't want to be doing this while we're playing, okay? Because um, because then you're, you're losing focus on the ball and it's also a little bit harder to recover and play the next ball. So if you've done this, then the next ball becomes a little bit harder because you need to come back to your balanced position. So if you can keep this a little bit more still, then... Um, your recovery is easier and your vision's also um, a lot better. So, how do we how do we train that? So, I suppose firstly, it's just the awareness of what's happening with your head and your eyes, and I think your eyes are, are the key here. So, when you're when you start to practice your topspin, so um, really try to keep your head as still as you can to start off with, and just play your topspin um, and see see how that goes. Then you can start to introduce some movement drills as well, where you're moving, try to be still and play your shot. Move, still, play your shot. Um, if you find you are bobbing up and down, one little tool that you can use is just get someone um, to stand uh, behind you. And if they get a, like a long feather duster or, or a stick or something like that, and just put it on top of your head. So if they stand behind you with that just on your head or just above your head, as you move your head, you'll start to feel that your head is is pressing up against the feather duster or the or the um, or the stick, and you'll start to get that feedback of of what you're doing. So um, don't use um, a, a an iron bar because that could hurt. Um, but yeah, just use something something soft that all they need to do is just feel that. Um, that feedback of their head moving um, up and down. So, Wow, that sounds like quite an unconventional method, Alois, but I guess, you know, giving that feedback um, is important. Um, what about if you don't have someone there? Um, would taking a video and then watching it after be good? I guess you're not getting the immediate feedback, but at least you get a picture afterwards. Yeah, I mean, and now with phones, I mean, you can, you can play one rally video it, see what it looks like, stop, um, and then play another rally. You know, so each rally, um, you you are getting that relatively uh, quick feedback. So, yeah, doing doing it that way is also good. Yeah, just, just um, getting the difference between what is really happening and what you, what the perception of what you, what is happening um, and trying to make those similar. So often, you know, we think that we're completely still, but our head's moving around all over the place. Um, one one um, area that I find is really interesting with this is when uh, we try to get people to do the, the backspin serve, you know, the one that comes back to you. And they will all start with their back like that and throw the ball up and then they'll do this and come forward and contact the ball 
like that. Um, so getting getting a video of that and a person seeing that that's actually happening uh, really helps. So the perception is that you've got your bat like that, but the reality is that you've got your bat like that. So, um, so the same thing here, um, video yourself, see how much your head's moving and you'll um, get some pretty, pretty quick feedback there. Good. Now, one thing that popped into my mind is um, that feather duster will be good at providing feedback or videoing is good at providing feedback, but I've got a feeling that the cause of this alloys might often be because people aren't getting their feet wide enough and in a good balanced position in the first place. So it kind of makes it easier to move around. I've got this feeling that if you get your feet planted nice and wide and you're in a good balanced position, you're going to be more likely to keep your head still. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's the, the stability definitely starts with your base, with your, with your legs and your, and your, and your feet position. So yes, definitely get that nice balanced position, but then some people also from that balanced position, jump up and jump out of that position uh, during the stroke. So it's good to get into that balanced position, but then really focus on staying there during your stroke as well as not jumping up and down during the stroke. Excellent. All right. Well, great question, Tim. And it's good to see, you know, you've got an awareness of this. So it's now something you can work on. Hopefully those tips help you out. Let us know if it does. And hopefully you'll be hitting four hands that are, you know, powerful and strong and win you lots of points. And from Tim, now we're moving on to Tam. So Tim Tam. <laughs> Tim Tam. Um, is Tim Tam just an Australian biscuit? Oh, mainly, yeah, mainly. And guys, yeah. if you have it, tell them how good it is, Alois. If you haven't had a Tim Tam, get onto it. It's almost worth a trip to Australia to have a Tim Tam biscuit. Now, do you dip your Tim Tams in your tea, or you just eat them straight? I dip them in my hot chocolate. I don't drink tea, but yeah, in my hot chocolate. Um, there's a little, little um, secret. You you bite the two corners. You know the diagonally opposite corners and then you dunk it in your tea or your and you suck it up and it comes up through and it makes it all gooey and then you oh delicious anyway all right yeah um yeah all right well tam tam says hi alois i notice against a lot of his opponents cocky niwa moves to do a backhand flick from the short forehand before the opponent has even contacted the ball how does he know that the opponent won't play a fast topspin serve long to his forehand? Yeah, so um, so one one thing is that he's um, picking up those cues a little bit earlier than than the common man. Um, so watching him, so watching him play someone like Ma Long. So Ma Long serves almost all the time to his uh, forehand corner, and he's going around and playing the playing the backhand from there. Um, so Koki Niwa, you, you see that before Ma Long has even contacted the ball, is basically starting to move over into this position uh, to play his backhand flick. Um, one is, yes, he is picking up those cues, but if you also see that sometimes um, Ma Long does go a little bit longer and Koki Niwa is so fast to get from this position to here that... Um, that it almost doesn't matter. So he's still in a really balanced position. So he's moving across, he's here, he's here, he's here, but then suddenly the ball does go long. All he needs to do is rotate and play that forehand. So 
So he's very quick at doing that. But yes, he he's he is picking up a lot of cues um, fairly early, and he's on the move. So he's so as soon as um, Marlong's into his service and he recognises where that ball's coming, he's moving. He's in in position here. He's ready. But I mean, he's so fast as well. I mean, he's ridiculously fast on his feet. So even if the ball's here, it doesn't come there. He's able to balance himself, play here or play there as well. But interestingly, just watching Ma Long play Koki Niwa, it really does expose his backhand corner. So Ma Long's tactic basically all the time is to serve here. Koki Niwa goes around and plays the, the backhand flick. Ma Long topspins into his backhand corner. And whereas he's good at making that ball, eventually that breaks down. So... Um, yeah, so I mean, Ma Long's happy doing that. Um, Koki Niwa feels like that's his best option as well. So that's that's just the battle it is. Interesting, interesting. Now it hasn't really happened yet, from what I've seen. But do you think that because it's become so popular, will some players actually start to stand across on the forehand side even before the opponent serves? Yeah, I think yeah, some people sort of, some players do tend to be much further over there already, um, you know, compared to 20 years ago, um, you know, players would stand. So if I'm a left-hander, Kokiniwa would stand right over here and, and be ready with his forehand. So now he's, he's almost, he's almost standing here before uh, Ma Long serves and, and he's ready to, to make that, that, that uh, return with his backhand pretty well. Yeah, certainly is a massive change in the game um, using this backhand side spin flick. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, so, I mean, if you, if you haven't tried it at home, get out there and experiment with it. Yeah, and, and the reason that they do that backhand compared to the forehand is that you can utilise your wrist a lot better. So with the backhand, you can um, utilise your wrist all the way through there. With the forehand, it's a little bit more restricted because of your grip. So... Um, yeah, that's why that's why most players now are returning that short ball with with their backhand to utilise the wrist more. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you everybody for watching show one eighty eight. Be sure to check out pingskills.com. Sign up for a free account if you haven't, and get access to all the videos in our strokes and techniques section. Um, also check out our blog where I will post this video and we'll put a link to everything we've talked about in that blog post. So thanks again and thank you, Alois. And uh, just a little story, you know, we talk about Australia. Um, last night my cat caught a baby brown snake. So if you look up what a baby brown snake is like, um, yeah, out the front, just there, just there, like massive nails about this big. Um, it was only about this big, but, uh, yeah, baby brown out there. My goodness. And I heard, Alois, that a full-grown uh, brown, brown snake has enough venom to kill 20 adults. Is that right? Actually, the babies have got enough venom to kill 20 adults. Is Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so deadly creatures out at Alois's house. Yeah. <laughs> Just be careful. be careful. Now, Alois, yesterday I said the show got cut off and you were ending the show, which people won't be able to see because it cut off with a great I don't, tune. I don't believe you, Jeff. I don't know what you're talking about. What show? <laughs> I was hoping you could just, you know, sing out the tune and then I could quietly cut us off. Um, really? No, um, you're not going to do it? Well, yeah, I, well, yeah, I could. But um, you don't know the lyrics, do you? 
I do. Of course, I know the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, we, we had uh, John, John Brown's song yesterday because it was the anniversary of the penning of John Brown's song, and Jeff doesn't know John Brown's body lies a mouldering in the grave. Um, and I was just about to get into the chorus, which is now in the ether somewhere and no one knows about anyway, and he cut me off. Can you believe it? All right, you go for the big finish, finish the chorus, let me know it's finished, then I'll cut and I'll end the show. Oh, you can cut it anytime you like, Jeffrey. You can cut it as soon as you want. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His soul is marching on. Awesome. All right. Well done. See you, everyone. Bye.